Welcome to Leap Listens. I'm Sarah McGregor. And I'm Roger Kalis. Leap Listens is brought to you by Leap Create. We are a people communications agency and we work with organisations to help communicate their culture, to attract and recruit candidates and to engage and retain employees. So today we're joined by David McFarlane from TMP. Welcome, David. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. So, David, you just want to give a little bit about yourself? I am Employer Brand and Insight Lead at um, TMP, which is part of People Scout. So I lead a team of talent advisory professionals um, developing all sorts of solutions that fit within the employer brand world designed to attract, retain and engage talent. So I, I lead our division in this space and we've um, recently had quite a lot of success with a number of award wins, which is always nice and working on some really exciting projects. Fantastic. So today we're going to be talking about the candidate experience. Um, so a, a business will have a candidate experience, whether they choose to invest in it or not. Um, and the pandemic definitely opened the doors to a range of workplace changes. So what significant changes have you seen, David? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic has really kind of reset candidate experience and the way in which um, businesses need to operate it. And, and like you say, Sarah, like it or not, every organization's got one. Um, the biggest shift, obviously, has been um, everything's been digitized. Everything's now online. Um, so the big, the big development has been how businesses have had to dial up and, and optimize their, their online platforms, automating their processes, bringing them as quick and as efficient as possible. Just as a quick follow up to that, David, what has um, those kind of the digitization of all of those experiences meant for that personal touch? And how, how have you ensured that people still get that personal touch when it comes to a candidate experience that's ostensibly online? So it's heightened the importance of um, organizations have a really, having a really good angle on their own brand. Um, it's really critical that organizations can articulate what their, their proposition is um, in a really clear way. Um, and when they're relying on the digital execution of what that is, that they ensure that it permeates the process um, at all opportunities, because you can no longer rely on really conveying to, to candidates what your what your opportunity looks like in person, because perhaps there might not be a, a single in-person um, intervention throughout the process. So it's really critical that um, your, your digital and creative work is absolutely dialed in, that it accurately and authentically conveys what your proposition is is like and that when candidates who are ex engaging with your process be that from the early touch points of gaining a bit of insight through awareness um, that they're, they're really constantly getting a clear and comprehensive understanding of what you can offer them no that's interesting and when do you think the candidate experience starts it's a really good question I mean, we talk a lot about the um the, the employer brand and the consumer brand overlapping. So depending on the organization, that candidate experience piece can start long before um, you might consider an organization as an employer. Um, in more niche or specialist areas, it, it tends to be a little bit later, but any interaction that you have with an organization is going to inform your perspective on them, both as a consumer and a potential employer. Um, so it, it can be very, very early on in that process. One topic we talk about a lot on the podcast and also with clients is creating that authentic candidate experience. So you're not promising the world. And then when the candidate joins to become an employee, it's not like a big disappointment. What do you do if a company doesn't have a particularly great working culture? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. And a lot of the time people develop and define their their uh, proposition at a time when they're trying to shift their culture and they're trying to develop either on a growth trajectory so that they anticipate there'll be a big change or they've acquired another business and their, their population is, is kind of diversifying as a result. I think the really important thing is that um, there's, there's a clear commitment to the direction of travel so that if, you know, an organization is trying to, to shift the dial on what they prioritize and um, they're growing in a certain area, that that's something that the leadership team and the general population are kind of completely aligned to. Um, it's always always really difficult. And sometimes there are some really negative and often toxic aspects of culture. I think the best thing is just not, not to completely bury and shy away from those. Um, sometimes there there might be strengths amongst the authenticity within that. And there's nothing less authentic than a completely polished and kind of plastic veneer that doesn't really give the candidate an understanding of what's going on there. Um, so we really want to make sure that when candidates engage with a brand and they, they understand what that candidate experience is like, that they get an authentic view. Sometimes that's what's and all. What do you do to find out what the candidate experience is? What's your process? So we, we've got a number of different processes that we go through, a few different products that we can we can use on our side. But as part of the Insight team, we'll, we'll look to understand the candidate experience um, at the coalface to kind of navigate it ourselves, con conduct applications using different platforms, making sure things are mobile optimized and getting a full picture of, of what that looks like. So technology is obviously a really key part. We talked earlier about the critical importance of, of how that shift has happened over, over recent years. Um, but understanding what the different interventions are, understanding how the candidate feels at different stages. So it's a mixture of desk research um, and kind of live research that we undertake, but also reviewing existing information and data that a business might capture that brings its process to life that might be revealing about um, drop offs or uh, moments that, that really matter, that are really compelling. And then also, really importantly, talking to the people within an organization to understand what their experience has been like. Obviously, those are people that have gone on to join a business. So there's there's a different um, sort of constituency in, in those candidates that haven't joined a business. Um, but that insight is really revealing. How often do the insights that you uncover throw up sort of surprising results to your stakeholders? Or is it stuff that they kind of suspected was maybe the case? Yeah, almost always, <laughs> almost always. They they rarely have a good handle on where they where they sit, and um, I, I think that's just a, a consequence of the fact that they they only see one version themselves. You know, as an organisation that speaks to loads of different businesses and understands candidate experiences in in many different areas, be they niche or specialist hiring or volume hiring. Um, in North America, we talk about you know blue collar organisations rarely have a good handle on how they sit within a space. Um, so it's, it's often the case that, that when you present findings or produce a roadmap of recommendations about how, how a business can really achieve positive change with their candidate experience, that they, that they can anticipate what that looks like. And sometimes the research that we do when we look at competitors and we look at processes can be really revealing um, certain strengths that they didn't really recognize or aspects that are really compelling uh, within a candidate experience can shine, can shine through really well. So you could argue with a candidate experience that like a one-size approach doesn't actually work anymore with job seekers. So quoting an approach from Susan Lamott from 
exactly. He says that the candidate relationship is much more than a tr transactional one. Um, so offering like a bundle of benefits and um, great pay for an exchange of their services is actually what the candidate isn't really looking for anymore. And they're looking to understand more what their relationship with is like with their leaders or with their colleagues um, or the type of work that they're working on. How do you cater for like all business areas within a within an organization? That's absolutely the case. So we talk a lot about the give and get, obviously the, the two-way exchange that happens between a candidate and an organization um, when they're, they're deciding, you know, like in that dating scenario, who's right for who? Is it going to work out? Is it going to be a long and happy relationship? There are things that, that universally apply to all employees at an organization and sometimes benefits might not be a good example of how they look but belonging meaning uh, alignment to values those are the sorts of things that regardless of your role are going to be really critical to how you engage with an employer um, irrespective of what you're what you're you're actually going to be doing once you join them um, and i think the way in which it's really important that candidates can understand what's being made clear and what's on offer for them is for that proposition to be to be authentic as we talked about earlier it's really critical that that's that's validated and clear and they can understand it but regardless of the role you know if you're if you're going into a possibly an exec level position where certain benefits or market norms might dictate that things are different to how they would be in a volume environment or, or even in a contracting role it's understanding how you can provide the relevant information and the relevant compelling factors for that audience. Um, and it's only through really understanding what that audience need and want and how your proposition aligns to it that you can get that right. We were chatting yesterday with someone and they were talking about early careers specifically and about how now quite a few graduates are applying for, they, they set upwards of like 10 different, different things. So it, it got me thinking like how people can differentiate and how important that candidate experience is and what sort of things have you seen that people use to differentiate themselves in a in a crowded marketplace yeah it's a really good example and and emerging talent graduate recruitment that's that's often the kind of slightly um, ahead of the curve when it comes to how a business is going to try and differentiate themselves and they, they, they typically have a little bit more creative freedom in that space as well because of the slightly playful nature that that brands tend to land in that sector I mean how they can differentiate themselves um, is often, I think, an overstated importance because it's more important that they obviously are compelling and authentic in terms of what they're what they need to do to to show who they are. But the way in which they can do that is is to creatively bring their proposition to life through digital content, um, through engaging different channels, um, possibly increasingly, especially in emerging talent, using influencers to um, to highlight how they can engage with new and different audiences. Um, I think there's been a huge reset uh, and it's been felt very keenly in the emerging talent space about doing virtual assessment centers, virtual platforms, virtual career fairs. That gives all sorts of opportunities, particularly given that you're talking to such a, a digitally native audience. Um, they create really exciting opportunities for how businesses can, can access that talent. Um, and, you know, carving out a niche as I say, is, is important, but it's not more important than doing what you, you believe in and, and conveying your, your proposition. 
And what about the expectations from those candidates? Because we kind of look at it from the other direction. But what are candidates' expectations now? And I'm thinking specifically about how recruitment, marketing and employer branding borrows from the consumer world, as we know. And if you think about how easy it is to purchase things and, and that process of purchasing but we've still got problems with ATS systems and all those kind of things so what have you found of people's expectations now of that experience are they expecting to add job to basket one click to buy I mean the ATS is gonna be something that a lot of us have carved on our team stones <laughs> the issues with, <laughs> with like um, tech stack integration the problems with comms and the way that they line up and onboarding all of those issues I mean the way in which way in which those things can can interfere with with what the process looks like is is endless, and I don't think that will ever really change. Fundamentally, the the opportunities for the way in which technology allows processes to run smoothly are obviously very extensive. Um, the expectation is super high from a consumer perspective. We all expect to be doing everything with one hand, you know, the click of your thumb in your in your pocket on a on a smartphone, and and applying for a role is no different. If you're asking for information more than once, possibly needlessly accessing information from a CV and an application form, um, you're, you're getting it wrong. You need to be seamless, linked up. You need to understand exactly what your audience expects. It's got to be straightforward and easy. Anything you do that creates a blocker or slows down the process, particularly when technology doesn't necessitate it, is going to penalize you in the eyes of the candidate market. Yeah, I guess by going digital as well, you, you're opening up so many more opportunities, aren't you, for candidates? However, you have to be so much more competitive, whereas before, like in the olden days, you know, you'd have to travel to an interview or, you know, there was so much more sort of research and everything you had to do. But by being digital, as I say, you're opening up the market and therefore you have to be more competitive. But also you're probably you're seeing probably a lot more candidates than you ever did before. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true, because obviously the, the commitment required from the candidate is, is might feel like it's lessened um, mm. because they don't have to engage with you in person. And, and obviously that gives them an opportunity to engage more. Really good candidates, though, still still obviously understand how they can, can research and engage with the business and, and really good brands um, that are brought to life through a candidate experience make that easy for the candidate to do. So whilst they might be considering many more um, organizations um, because they don't have to make that in-person commitment they still need to to bring um, put to put their best foot forward in in that approach but you're right application volumes kind of vary enormously and you know we're only seeing now with the, the you know changes that are happening in tech hiring um, literally in the last week um, where previously organizations were fighting for candidates that's not changing very quickly and no doubt it will do again in the next months to come yeah. And I guess on a sort of topical subject, you know, in terms of like culture and being authentic, what are your thoughts on like the Elon Musk and the Twitter story of culture? And oh, is, is David going to be drawn on this? <laughs> employee experience, you know, and, and how that's unfolding. I mean, it's 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 quite fascinating, isn't it? It is. I don't think I'm losing a future client potentially by saying I think they completely <laughs> messed it up. Um, but I mean, it is revealing. There's a lot to be learned by the way in which that process has played out you know the idea that he asked for this epic commitment of uh, people sort of working absurd hours and, and the fact they had to sign up for this or leave I mean it's, it's extraordinary that that's a, a way of going about explaining who you are as an organization and as, a, and as an employer you could say that following that nobody could could claim to think they didn't understand what they were signing up for but again it's it's a very direct and doesn't offer much empathy or nuance in the way in which you might go around that 
approach. But yeah, I mean, Twitter right now is providing a brilliant case study for how to epically destroy your employer brand, as I see yeah. it. Although, albeit perhaps authentic. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's my point. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. nobody's misunderstanding it. Everybody, I think people have a pretty good idea of what um, Elon Musk is trying to do at Twitter from a cultural perspective, which is you've got to be there in person, you've got to be willing to work 80 hours a week, and I'm sure you get paid pretty well. So, you know, if that's uh, if that give and get works for you, then then it's the place to be. Yeah, very true. Well, David, we call this bite side. I think it's a little bit bigger than a than a bite. I think it's more like a, a snack. Um, <laughs> but we call it, you know, we we kind of keep this nice and nice and tight. Just got one um, more question though. What something we're asking all of our guests is um what's your uh top reads this year i mean it could be a podcast book any recommendations so i've got a one-year-old son so i'm not doing as much reading as i would like at the moment i recently so it's the gruffalo <laughs> it's the gruffalo yeah, yeah. <laughs> medicine the smooths um, um so interesting book about the globalization paradox and the idea that um globally we're kind of developing a systemic culture that is technology led, which I think is probably loosely relevant to the way in which we kind of engage with candidates, particularly when we deal with global brands, I suppose. But yeah, that's been an interesting one that's helped to get me to sleep in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much, David. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you for listening to our Leap Listens podcast. To listen to other experts in the industry, head on over to our website, that's leapcreate.co.uk, or you can listen on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And of course, if you have any people communication challenges requiring highly creative solutions, please reach out to me, I'm Roger, or Sarah McGregor on LinkedIn. Thanks very much. 